When I see that bumper, I always want him to say more. He's saying, you're like, what? what's he saying? Um, hey, uh, I'm glad to be able to share with you all this morning, and we're going to be looking at Matthew chapter 6, going through the Sermon on the Mount. Uh, but I wanted to um, uh, share with you a little bit of an encouragement. Uh, my wife and I, uh, you may have met her, Lindy, and I have three kids. We've been members of the well here for a couple of years, and this last weekend, I was able to go to Mexico to do a mission trip, and uh, it, it kind of has resulted because of some of the neighbors to nations type of stuff that I've been doing in the city, where we've been reaching out into communities, and about three years ago, we met a, a Spanish-speaking family, began to meet with them in their, in their home, began to do Bible studies with them, and some of their family members become, uh, became Christians, and the mother of the family came to Christ, who lives in this village in Mexico. And uh, we were talking and praying about how we could support her because she was the only person in that village who uh, they knew of who knew Christ. And uh, it was about 500 people, a rural village. And so we just began to pray and think about what if, what if we, I was able to go there to um, just help support her and share the gospel with more of her village. So a couple of years later, we finally were able to work it out, and we had a couple of translators go with me last weekend. We went on Thursday and came back on Sunday, so it was a quick trip. But God did a lot, and uh, during that time, we were able to show a movie about Jesus and invited people from the village. About 50 people came to see that movie, and we, um, at the end, we invited anyone who would like to pray to receive Christ, to pray and receive Christ, and I think everyone, it seemed like everyone in the room prayed together to accept Christ into their lives. So we were, we were praising God for that. And the, the mother is very excited. And so the next day we went visiting families to pray for families that are in deep needs. And this is a very poor area and a lot of problems and issues. And we began to pray for families and share God's love with them and, and with many with tears and just sobs returning to Christ during those times and asking Him to come into their life to be their Savior. So thank, thank God for that. Amen. <laughs> So God's beginning a really special work uh, there in Okahala, Mexico. So if you think about it, please pray for the people who are new in Christ there to grow, and then hopefully we'll get to go back in about six months to kind of keep supporting what God's doing there. So I wanted to share that with you and encourage you guys uh, with what God is doing. <clears throat> and, and, and also encourage you to um, think about how God may want to use your life to impact the nations through impacting your neighbors too. Because we have people living all over the world that are living all around us, and how we, if we love those around us, it can transform uh, our, our, literally transform nations and people from other world, other countries, not other worlds, other countries. <laughs> that would be weird. Okay. Anyways, I'm talking about Matthew 6, 25 through 34. Um, you guys, if you have Bibles, you can open those up. It'll be on the screen too. And there's also Bibles under the chairs. You can use those or you can use a U version. We'll have a little link up here you can put into the U version Bible app and uh, you can follow along there as well. The topic or the title is The Worries of Life. Uh, Jesus is talking and dealing about anxieties and worries. This is an extremely relevant topic for us today because uh, we live in a time where there is a tremendous amount of anxiety and worry. And particularly in our country, uh, for a number of different reasons. Uh, but actually, the National Institute of Mental Health said that anxiety disorders are the most common mental illness in the U.S., affecting 40 million adults, 18 and older. That's 18% of the population. That's kind of an old statistic. They say, actually think now it's probably more around 30% of the population. That's a tremendous amount of, uh, 
uh, amount of people that are struggling with anxiety disorders. Uh, in 2002, this is an old statistic, uh, Paxil and Zoloft, these are two drugs that are used um, to, uh, for people who have anxiety disorders, they had one or $5 billion in sales with just those two drugs alone. That's a lot of money. A lot of money going into helping people with anxiety. In 2011, there was reports that one in five Americans, uh, this varies on how old you are and your age and everything, are using some type of psychiatric medicine to deal with anxiety, OCD, depression, bipolar, schizophrenia, and such things like that. That's a lot of people. That's a lot, tremendous amount of people. We live in a time where, uh, unfortunately, our culture says, if you've got a problem with this, just take a pill that'll make you better. And there's not, I'm not saying taking pills are, are problems all the time. Sometimes we have to. But the way we deal with it in our culture is just, hey, take this pill, and you're, that, that's, that's what's going to make you better. Uh, we're not talking about all the people who use alcohol to ease anxiety or that use other drugs to ease anxiety. We've got a problem, a major issue in our society today with worry, anxiety, depression, and, and struggles within that framework. So this is a very relevant topic. I think even when we turn the news on today, we can get our anxiety levels can increase when we look at the political situation, right? We can feel what's going to happen with our country, what's going to happen with our world. Uh, we have anxiety over finances. We have an anxiety over uh, success. We have a lot of pressures in our culture to be successful, to do something with, uh, that has significance, right, in our lives. We have a lot of pressure that does our job have value? Do I have value because of what I do? Am I going to be successful? Are my grades going to be good enough? Am I going to make enough money? And all these pressures come into us through our culture. Uh, when you go to a place like Mexico, a very poor city, and you come back here and you see all the affluence, you go, why are we stressing about money, you know? And yet we are. <laughs> We're stressing over it. And this is an important topic for us as Christians to know how do we walk through this, how do we deal with this ourselves, and particularly because the Scripture says in Luke chapter 8, Jesus gave the parable of the sower, and he said one of the things that choke out the Word and the work of God in our lives are the worries of life the deceitfulness of wealth. If we want to grow in God, then we got to figure out how we handle this stress, this struggle that every human being faces because worry, anxiety, fear are normal things. But when they get heightened, they become issues in our lives. So we got to figure this out because if we don't, then these worries are going to choke out the work of God in our life. And we're going to go after trying to get security in the things of this world rather than finding our security and our identity and our life in God. And we're going to miss out on the good things that God has for us. So I'm going to take us through this, this chapter, and we're going to walk through it. And I'm going to use a, a Bible study method called the SWORD. It's a discovery Bible study method. It's going to ask a few questions. I don't know if you can read those, but you can use this anytime you read the Bible. You can use these questions. The SWORD points up to God. What is this going to tell us about God? People hold the sword in their hands. What does this tell us about people? And there's two sides of the sword. Is there an example or command to follow or is there a promise to believe? And we're going to take those questions and unpack this passage. And actually, I'm doing this just as an illustration for you to use these questions as you read the word yourself to unpack anything in the scripture using these words to know or these questions to know how to understand the Bible better. So let me pray and then we'll jump in. Uh, Heavenly Father, we thank you and for your word, and we thank you, God, that you have a solution for us in this age of anxiety. 
and uh, you have something uh, deeper that you want to do in our lives. Uh, medication can solve some of the symptoms, but Lord, there's a deeper issue in the hearts of men and women that you want to deal with so that we can live in peace and not in anxiety and not in fear. And I pray, Lord, even in this time, you would help that message be communicated to everybody here, that you would bring a greater sense of security, of peace through Christ, even in this message because of the words that you spoke to us so many years ago that are relevant to us today. And God, give us and give me wisdom to share it in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, so this passage, it starts out with a therefore. So the very first verse says, therefore. So he's actually relating to what was talked about previously that Tori talked about last week. So you got to go listen to that message if you didn't hear it. Because right before, I'll just read it in verse 24, he says, No one can serve two masters, for either he will hate one and love the other, or he'll be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money. All right, so he's dealing with a money thing here. He's saying you can't serve, you can't have two masters, you can't serve God and money. If you love money, you're going to live for money, you're going to live for it, and you're going to be caught up in all the anxieties that it produces. All right, any of you guys do stock market stuff? That produces some anxiety, okay? You're watching the waves and the spikes and the drops and, ah, my money, my money, ah, where am I going? So, you know, if that's who you're loving and serving, that's going to cause some stresses in your life. But he says you can't serve two masters. If you're going to serve God, you're going to live differently. You're not going to be caught up in all the worries that others are in the world. You're going to be counter to that. You're going to live in security. We're going to have peace and security. So he says, therefore... You can't serve two masters, God and money. Therefore, I tell you, do not be anxious about your life. He counters this. Do not be anxious, right? We live in an anxious world. He's saying we live differently. Do not be anxious about your life, what you'll eat, what you'll drink, about your body, what you'll put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? And which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to his span of life? And why are you anxious about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin, yet I tell you, even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is alive and tomorrow is thrown into the oven... Will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? Therefore, do not be anxious, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For the Gentiles seek after these things. And your heavenly Father knows that you need them. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. Therefore, do not be anxious about tomorrow, for tomorrow will be anxious for itself. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. You know, these are one, this is one of these passages that you could read every day. It's like, oh, I need to start my day off reading this every day. It is so good, and it's so... Um, when we understand it, it's healing to our soul. It gives us peace and it roots us in what is real and true. So when we read this passage, we ask the question, what does this passage tell us about God? Well, in verse 26 and 32, it says God's our Father, right? 
our Heavenly Father. So God, knowing that God is our Father, Jesus wants us to know this. Jesus calls God His Father, but He tells us that He's our Father too. He's our Papa. He's our Daddy. He's our Dad. And He's a good Dad. He's a good Dad who cares for His children. He's not a bad Dad. He's not a dad that doesn't care for us. But in this passage, we see he's a father that cares for our needs. He cares for our lives. He's not indifferent. He knows what we need, and he wants to provide those needs. You know, I have three kids, and I asked them this week. We were sitting around eating breakfast or something. I said, hey, you guys, um, are you ever worried that you're not going to eat food? They look at me kind of like strange, like, what? I mean, are you ever guys worried that you're not going to have any food to eat? I'm like, no. I'm like, why? It's like, well, because you, you've got a lot of money. <laughs> I said, okay, okay, but I, we, we've got enough money to provide for you, but what else? Why do you not worry about what you're going to eat or what you're going to wear? And I'm like, well, because you guys love us. I'm like, yeah, we love you. We love you. We care for you. We're not going to let you <laughs> go hungry especially if we have the resources, and we do have the resources to care for you guys and provide for you. You know, and, and orphans, they worry about what they're going to eat, right? They, they hold on to their food and try to scrap for it, but children who are loved, how God wants them to be loved, they're not worried about what they're going to eat in the morning. They don't even think about it. It doesn't even go through their mind. They just know, hey, I'm in a safe environment because I have a mother or father who care for me and they're going to provide for me. And this is what Jesus is kind of saying in the same way. Hey, guys, listen. We have a father who loves us. We have a heavenly father who actually, he owns everything. Nothing's too hard for him to give us what we need. Of course, we have to work and of course, we have to do the things he puts before us, but he is our provider. He is our God and he's good. And being rooted in the love of God, being rooted in the love of God dissipates anxiety and dissipates worry. The more we are rooted in his love, the more secure we become. The less worries we have in life, the more we understand how great his love is for us and how good he really is. Sometimes we don't trust that he's good. We don't believe that he's good. But this scripture is showing us that this father of ours is a good father and he's for us, and he'll provide for us, just like I would for my kids. But when we read the Scripture, we also learn some things about man, right? What's this tell us about people? Well, it tells us, one, that Jesus says that we have value to God. We are valuable to God. So not only is God going to care for you, but you're valuable to him. We're trying to find value in all kinds of things. And sometimes our anxiety in life is because we feel like we're not doing something valuable, there's a lot of pressure in our culture to have a job that's a very, you know, super significant, changing the world kind of job. But what if you don't have a job that's as valuable in the world's eyes? How do you feel about yourself? Um, I clean swimming pools. That doesn't seem like it's a very valuable job. But you know what? It is valuable because I'm valuable. Because God says each one of you are valuable, and what you do is valuable because we do it to serve and honor him. And so everything he's given us is because he loves us and he calls each one of us, he, he, he sees each one of us with great value. 
He says we're valuable more than the, the birds even though of the air, even though he provides for the birds of the air. How much more will he provide for you? But then he says everyone struggles with fear he, or faith, right? And he says in verse 30, he says, oh, you of little faith. And so, again, a common issue is for all of us is we all struggle with fear. We all struggle with worry. It's normal to the human being to have anxiety, to be prone to insecurity, to be prone to anxiety, and for us to run after things that will bring us secure, that we can be tangible. He says that Gentiles run after these things because they're trying to get them that they're tangible securities. But he tells us not to do that. Instead, to believe and root ourselves in God, that he's good and he loves us. You know God, what God delights in? He delights in our faith. It says in Hebrews 11 that without faith, it's impossible to please God. You know, it brings God great delight when you trust in him. Even though you can't see the tangible security around you, it brings him great joy and delight when his child looks to him and trusts in him and says, okay, God, I can't see it, but I know you're good. I remember this time a few years ago, I was with my son, Gabe, and we were at a baseball game. I took him out to a baseball game. And we, we were leaving the game, and it was nighttime by this time, and we kind of were getting out of the light-lit areas of the parking lot trying to get to our car, which is parked down the street around the corner and such. And as we were walking, it was getting darker, and all of a sudden, my son froze up. He says, wait, Dad, we don't know where we're going. And, uh, you know. He said, wait, wait, Dad, we're not going to find, we don't know where the car is, and it's dark out, and he starts, he's stressing, man. He's like, he starts, you know, he's getting very anxious, so I go, okay, this is a great opportunity to love and care for my son here. So I say, hey, buddy, look, look at me, look at me. Take your eyes off this big, scary area. Look at me. Look at me. He looks up at me, and I say, hey, buddy, I know where we're going. I know where the car is. Will you trust me? Here, I'll hold your hand. You can walk with me. We'll walk together. Will you trust me? I know how to get there. I remember where it is. And he looks at me, and you can see the, the fear starting to subside. Okay, all right. I'm with my daddy. He's going to take care of me. He's going to lead me. And so he's like, he's, he said, okay, let's go. So I held him by his hand, walked down that street, take a left, take a right, and boom, found the car. Amazing, right? <laughs> but listen, that's what it's like with God. He is the big dad, right? He sees everything. He knows where he's taking us. He knows where to go. And we're in the middle of this world with all these circumstances and these crazy things going on. And we're like scared and afraid. And I don't know where to go. I don't know how to do this. He says, stop. Look at me. Look at me. I'm your dad. I know where you're going. I know where I'm taking you. Hold on to my hand. And you know how much delight it brought me when my son said, okay, Dad, yeah, let's go. And he held my hand, and we walked together through those streets to him that were scary, but to me were not that big a deal. But he had faith. He had trust. That brings God delight when we trust in him and say, all right, Dad, I'm going to hold your hand. All right, God, I'm going to hold your hand. I'm going to trust you. You're going to lead me. I'm going to trust you that you're good. I'm going to trust you. You're going to take me where you want to take me even though I can't see it right now. Faith in the goodness of God defeats worry. It defeats worry. The more we're rooted in God, the more we're rooted in his goodness, the more 
we lose, the more anxiety loses its grip on our lives. Men and women, this is one of the cures to anxiety in our age and in our own lives. So when we look at this passage, we say, well, is there a command to follow or an example to follow? And actually, there is a command. Three times Jesus said in verse 25, 31, 34, do not be anxious. Do not be anxious. And he follows them up, two of those, with the goodness of God. Don't be anxious because your heavenly Father will love you and care for you. Don't be anxious. But then in verse 33, he gives another instruction. Instead of not being anxious, he says, but do this. He says, instead, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And then he gives us the promise, and all these other things will be added to you as well. Don't be anxious. Why? Because you've got a God who loves you, and he's with you. He's going to provide you. Instead of being anxious, do this. Seek first my kingdom and my righteousness. A righteousness that doesn't come from your own, a righteousness that comes from me that I'm giving to you to live in my righteousness, to do my work, to participate in my kingdom here on earth. And you know what? All these other things, I'll provide them for you. You don't have to worry. Follow me. Do my work. Hold on to my hand. Obey me, and I'm going to provide all you need. You don't have to be afraid. We see an example of this in the book of Mark. It's also in the book of, of uh, Luke as well, but where Jesus was challenging a rich man to follow him, and this rich man couldn't do it because he had too much wealth, and it says he went away sad, right? Because Jesus was challenging him, give up all you own and follow me, and the guy couldn't do it. But his disciples say, hey, Jesus, what about us? We gave up everything to follow you, right? And Jesus says, truly I say to you, there is no one who has left house or brothers or sisters or mother or father or children or lands for my sake and for the gospel who will not receive a hundredfold now in this time houses and brothers and sisters and mothers and children and lands and with persecutions and in the age to come eternal life. That's a promise. That's an amazing promise. If you follow me, if you give up the things that you're pursuing in this world to do my work, I'm going to bless you with something greater than you could ever get on your own. I'm going to bless you with community and family and friends and homes, a hundred more than you could ever gain on your own, and in the, in, the, in the life to come, eternal life. And I praise God to have been able to taste a small taste of this. Man, God has given us a family now, a home, a land in Mexico, Okahala. Man, they came, they fed us their food, they slaughtered a turkey, they cared for us, they provided for us, they didn't let us pay for anything because they were so happy that we would come to love their village, to do God's work. My, life and I, my wife and I have been blessed that we have homes and brothers and sisters in Christ in other places of this country that we could go to that we know would take care of us. We can go to Europe and we have family and friends that will love us and care for us and care for the needs that we have and the riches we have and the relationships we have through Jesus Christ are much greater than all the riches we could gain on our own through just getting a big pocketbook. Because we have community, friends, relationships that will last forever. And we know that they will help us as we will help them in their time of needs. And that's what God wanted with the church all along. 
It's great to do God's work. We begin not serving ourselves, but serving his kingdom and serving others. And as we build and serve others, God blesses us up with the fruit of those friendships and those relationships. It doesn't say it won't be without difficulty. There's persecution. But he promises us good when we turn to follow his ways. In Luke chapter 12, actually in verse 32, um, this is right after he gives the same message of, Luke's, or of Matthew 6. He gives the same message of not worrying, but at the end of it, he ends it a little bit different. This time he ends it like this, fear not, little flock, for it is your father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. Sell your possessions and give to the needy. Provide yourselves with money bags that do not grow old, with a treasure in the heaven that does not fail, where no thief approaches and no moth destroys. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. He ends this message about not worrying with this. He ends it with a promise. Fear not, right? Fear kills faith. He says, fear not. It is your, good, your Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom of God. Men and women, do, you, do we realize what God has given us? The riches and treasures that God has given us? He's given us the kingdom of heaven, not because we deserve it, but because out of his good pleasure and his kindness and his love and his mercy. He's included us into his family and his kingdom that will be eternal, that will last forever. And he says, you know what? I've given you all of this. He says, so you don't have to fear. You can give it away and not worry. Right? Why go sell all your possessions and give to the needy? If I have all the riches in heaven, I don't care about selling all that I have now and can give it away. It's not that big a deal. If I understand what I have. You know, I told my kids this one time. We were talking about they were being selfish about something. And, and uh, it's normal with kids. And uh, yeah, Maybe it was, it was over some food or goldfish or something like this. So I told them a story. I said, hey, imagine this, you guys. Imagine if I owned all the goldfish in the world. I was the owner of the goldfish factory, and you were going to inherit it all. And imagine if one of our rooms in our house was filled to goldfish from the floor to the ceiling. Would you be stressing out about your goldfish right now? Would you be worried about holding on to your little five or ten goldfish and not be willing to share those things? They're like, no. I said, wouldn't you be uh, kind of excited to, like, give some of them away to others? They're like, Yeah. And so you think about if you had the unlimited goldfish, wouldn't you be like, hey, buddy, friends, come over, eat goldfish at my house, yeah? Go to the neighbors and share your goldfish, and you become your friends and give them goldfish, bring them to school and give them goldfish. I mean, why? You wouldn't be stressing out, worried about, you know, I don't have enough goldfish. So I think the point stuck with them. I hope it did, because they brought it up a couple times since. But this is, that's the idea, Okay. We are heirs of the kingdom of God and all that is God. And God, Jesus is like, dude, you're stressing out, man. You have everything. Just give it away. Share it. Do my work. Bless others. Care for others. Don't just live for yourself. You're going to have the riches of eternity forever. <laughs> forever. What is this life? And even in this life, can God not give us what we need? If we share our things with others, can God not provide for us what we need? These scriptures are telling us that we have these treasures and promises. But the question is that you've got to ask yourself is, do you trust God? Do you trust God is good? Do you trust God will take care of you? When you do, 
you'll have freedom to give and, the, and you'll have freedom from the anxieties and worries in this life. Not that we won't face these worries and anxieties, but they are not as strong as they can be without the security we have in God. Now, let me share a couple things, <clears throat> just some, a few more applications with you. When you have these things that come in your life, we all have them, man. We get stressed. We get worried. We got problems, right? We got things that we have to do. We got to raise kids. We've got to pay bills. You know, we've got to do our schoolwork. You know, all these things, they pile up and they stress out. What do we do? Well, first thing we can do, see if it comes up, pour out your worries to God. It says here in Philippians 4, 5 through 7, in 1 Peter, the Lord is at hand. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be known to God, and the peace of God which surpasses all understanding will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. 1 Peter 5, 7 says, casting all your anxieties on him because why? He cares for you. So what do we do when these things come into our lives? We, we cast them onto him. We bring our burdens to him. We pray to him. We pour them out to him. I have a friend of mine that was in Austin. Now he's moved away, but he's such an example to me. Not only does he have um, um, uh, uh, anxiety issues, OCD, he has schizophrenia as well. He has to take medication for these things. But you know one thing he does do? He does this. When the burdens weigh up on his life, he's learned to pour them out to God and to find God in the midst of them so that he can have peace to keep moving forward and not taking the burden all on himself all the time. We've got to become people who can pour our hearts and our anxiousness and our anxieties out to God in knowing that he cares for us. And in the midst of doing that, we do this next. We remember all that you have been given and begin rejoicing in it. We pour our hearts out to God, but then remember who God has made us, who God is, what he has given for us, his provisions for us, and then turn that into rejoicing and being thankful. There, is a, there are amazing promises we have. We've already talked about a few of them. But here in Romans 8, it says, or we talked about this one. Romans 8 says, You did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption as sons and daughters, by the whom we cry out, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God, and if children, then heirs, heirs of God, and fellow heirs with Christ. This is an heir. We are children of God. We are heirs of eternity. And when we have these anxieties and worries, we have to remind ourselves, God, thank you for all that you've given me. Thank you for all the riches I have in Christ. Thank you for the treasures I have. Thank you for the way you've provided for me. Thank you for the good things I have. You know, sometimes when I'm stressing out, I have to go outside and I have to go for a walk. And I just have to renew my mind in thanksgiving. I have to stop being anxious. I start to begin to thank you. Thank you, Lord, for what you've done in my life. Thank you, God, for you giving me a great wife. And thank you for my children. And thank you how you provided for me over the, all the years. And thank you for eternity in heaven. And thank you for this beautiful creation. Thank you you have eyes to see. Thank you have feet I can walk. You know what? That begins to change your attitude. It takes you out of depression. It takes you out of worries. It begins to change your mind and your life when you begin to live in gratitude for all God has given you. We've been given great things, men and women, great things. I, was, I had to laugh to myself because one day I was cleaning pools, right? 
in this, in this very big house. And it was like a mansion. And I'm out there cleaning this pool. And I, I take some of the leaves and I, and I throw them into like kind of the bushes because I didn't know where to put them. And <laughs> this lady comes out and she snaps at me, man. Hey, you know, don't put those in those bushes there. I'm like, well, where do leaves belong, you know? Like, yeah. <laughs> so, I, so I just real nicely said, hey, you know, yeah, well, where would you like me to put them? I'll put them wherever you'd like me to. And so she said, oh, you know, you put them here, there's a trash can over here. Would you please put them there? So we started to talk a little bit. She says to me, uh, so she warmed up to me, and she says, hey, well, if you ever need anything, you know, you can just ask me, I, you know, if you would like some water, just, you know, ask me, and I'd be happy to have some water. And she says, oh, even, you know, the old pool guy, you know, I used to put some a sunscreen on him if he needed that. Said, well, that's okay. <laughs> that's all right. But... Uh, <laughs> She says, you know, don't worry, you know, and then she said this is what stuck with me. She says, you know, we're people just like you. And I said, mm, okay, thanks. And uh, <laughs> talked a little bit more, and I'm just so glad she told me that because I was so worried that she was so much more powerful than me, so much greater than I, because I'm this lowly pool cleaner guy out here just cleaning her pool, and when she is, uh, I don't have to be worried. She's just like me. I'm sorry, I'm being facetious. But listen, what I wanted to say, lady, do you know who's cleaning your pool? Do you know that my dad owns your land? Do you know that I'm a child of a king? I might let it look like I'm doing something special. But listen, my identity is rooted in, in the fact that I am a son of the king of heaven and earth. One day you'll know it, but if you did know it right now, you might be asking me for a sip of water. Men and women, we've been given great, great treasures and promises. Your identity is in God. Let it be in God. Not in what you do, not in the things you have, but the promises that you are His and He's with you. And let that give thanks. Let that, give, let that move you into this scripture where we rejoice always because of what we have, where we pray continuously and we give things in all circumstances, for this is the will of God. And this will break the grip of anxiety and worry on our lives when we know who we are and what God has given us. And after we begin to pour our lives out to God, as we remember who, who we are, what we've been given, we begin to rejoice in it, then we take the next step and we begin to do his will, to do his will. There's a song that's uh, an old hymn, Trust and Obey. Trust and Obey. You guys know that song? I won't sing anymore. Okay. <laughs> trust and obey for there's no other way to be happy in Jesus than to trust and obey. Trust in him and obey him. Step into it. Take your faith and apply it into your world. Take your faith and begin to move forward and take your resources that you have and begin to give them and share them with others in an act of love and obedience to God that you're not hoarding it but giving it. Don't bicker about the politics and problems in our world. Obey Christ. Trust God is good and sovereign over our country and bless and love those who have different political perspectives than you. Obey, love, do good. Follow him, trust him. Live for others, because when you do, he's got a great and wonderful reward for your life.
as you leave today, tonight, tomorrow morning, whenever, I want you, I hope you would just get before God and ask him this question. God, how do you want me to trust you? Where do you want me to trust you and obey you in? Where do you want me to trust you in? Where do you want me to obey you in? When we live in fear, we're not living in trust. And when we live in fear, we're not living in obedience. How can we be a church who trusts and obeys God and lives in the victory of joy and sets an example for the world around us that we don't have to be trapped by anxiety and worry, but we can live in faith and joy and freedom? Let's be that church. Let me pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the promises we have in your word. We thank you for the promise we have in who you are, that you're good, you're a father, you provide for us.